It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the James Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and to overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello. Welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And Noah, man, man, I'm feeling good, man. Feeling good today, eh? I'm feeling really, really good, man. I always and like hearing that. I can I can see your smile through the radio. <laughs> you know, I tell you, man. Uh, and great joy came upon Michelle and I today. And it was kind of unexpected, but it was expected. And uh, and you uh, sent me something over the email, and I saw it, and it had me grinning as well. So I'm uh, I'm pretty pleased with what you're about to share. I wasn't going to share that one yet. No. Oh, okay. That that wasn't about. Now, uh, now but, I'm but, curious. Uh, but but since you since you 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 already brought that one up, uh, I am so happy uh, that uh, uh, I sent you about six weeks ago my short film, <laughs> and I told you that we worked hard on that one, and uh, it's a period piece, and just found out yesterday. That uh, we won some awards uh, for that. And the title of it is Effie Childs on the Other Side of the Gun. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I, it looks like it won a film festival award. So that's good stuff, man. That's just the beginning, Noah. I mean, but uh, uh, it's a couple of, I, I mentioned to you that I produced a few plays. And one of the plays that, that um, I produced was. Uh, the lynching of Effie Childs. And uh, that uh, it turned out extremely well, and we decided to do a short film. But you know what? We're going to leave that one up. I'm not going to give too much of that information to you. You got more good news. Absolutely. You know, I tell you, um, I was, me and Michelle just sitting here chilling out. And and growing up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I, t- I tell my listening audience about that all the time. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, and uh, my uh, stepmother, I call her mom, uh, she is so wonderful. And ever since, and if, if uh, people listen listen to my new book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey that Ain't Over Yet, just came out two weeks ago. And I also read my, my book. They will understand that, you know, at 18 years old, (laughs) and I was confused. And like most people are confused. And I just came, I said, okay, I know that these are my brothers and my sister, and I had met them. And I said, I have never met uh, my father's wife or ex-wife at the time. I came back from the Navy and had the, got the nerves up. I said, I know where they live. <laughs> and I went up there and I knocked on that door, Noah. <laughs> knocked on the door. She had never seen me before. Didn't know nothing about me. <laughs> she answered the door. And she looked at me and said, okay. I, you don't even have to tell me your name. You look just like Jane. We getting ready to have dinner. Come in the house. Oh, that is <laughs> that's incredible, man. Man, we've been cool ever since, man. I tell you, uh, she been to my home in California, uh, and and she just so wonderful. Noah, if she's in California, I'm gonna bring her down to the studio to the show. Well, I hope so. I we want you to meet, to meet her. That, that's and, great and, stuff. And she bought her best friend in the world since 1986. I called her Flo Joe. <laughs> she brought Flo. Uh, what, what's Flo, what's Flo last name? Joe. Flo <laughs> Joe. <laughs> you know, but uh, Phillips. Flo Joe Phillips, wonderful woman, uh, military veterans, uh, and 
an officer in the Air Force. And uh, I, they both of these great women embraced me with their joy and their presence. So I am just so happy. And I, I just want to get that out, Noah, because I'm glad you shared that. That's that's very awesome. And man, I'm excited about this show, Noah. We got Dr. Sophia Amon. I, I tell you, we're going to talk about hey, Noah down your alley. Uh, and I, I tell you, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. FinTech, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I do know about financial inclusion. I mean, <laughs> we all have to be part of the financial inclusion in order to benefit from the money, the wealth. Everything. And, and but no, I, I, it's one person that I had to and she hit me, punched me in the head. Uh, that's my. Are you OK? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I'm at the Bella is trying to give me mouth. Up. Well, OK, I ain't going to get. But uh, Michelle, cool. How you doing? I am good. I'm good. I'm excited about our guest today. Dr. Sophia Anang. She's got a lot to educate the audience about. I'm getting ready to we're getting ready to hear what she's all about. Well, Noah. Man, well, I'm excited. As, as you know, I deal with a financial, I produce a financial show on the daily, so I'm always intrigued to find out more information. Well, you you just a man, the man, the live producer, uh, six, seven national shows a day. I love you, man. I love, love you. you, too. It is always, <laughs> I love getting to this part of the day, man. Hey, man, I, I tell you, man, I can't wait to talk about the purpose of today's show. Michelle, can you tell our listening audience? The purpose of today's show. Yes. The purpose of today's show is to learn about the background and career of Dr. Sophia Anang and her research. Learn what is consumer economics, fintech, and financial inclusion. Learn about the terminology unbanked or underbank and how it affects people financially. And learn about contactless payments and their origin. Michelle, can you introduce this fantastic, this great guest to our listening audience? Yes. Dr. Sophia Anang is an associate professor of consumer economics at the University of Georgia, where she has been on faculty since 2010. Dr. Anang was also on the faculty at Virginia Tech from 2006 to 2010. She holds a BS from the Africa University in Zimbabwe an MS in Agricultural Economics, and a PhD in Family and Consumer Economics, both from Purdue University. Dr. Nong's research and outreach focus on financial assets and consumer economic well-being with respect to mobile money in African countries and fintech in the U.S. Dr. Nong has published in several outlets, including the Handbook of Consumer Finance Research, International Journal of Consumer Studies, the Journal of Consumer Affairs, and the International Journal of Bank Marketing. Starting this September, Dr. Nong will be a Science and Technology Policy Fellow at the U.S. Agency for International Development, serving as a digital ecosystem advisor. The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life, proudly, proudly welcomes Dr. Sophia Anon. Dr. Anon, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to, uh, and, and, and you and I have already talked, so Dr. No, I'm going to call you Sophia, if that's okay with you, but welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing fine, James. Can I call you, James? Absolutely. <laughs> it is my honor and absolute pleasure to be with you today, James. Um, as I was telling you before the show, I had a moment, took a moment to just go through the different topics you've covered on your show, and I just feel so honored and humbled to be included in that long list of speakers you've had, as well as the diverse topics that you are um, spreading throughout the world to impact different lives. Thank you for what you do. Well, thank you, and this is just an honor to have you on the show, uh, Sophia. Uh, can you tell our listening audience a little bit about you, yourself, and where you grew up? Thanks. So I'm originally from Zimbabwe. I grew up in um, Harare, just outside Harare, which is the capital of Zimbabwe. I um, was raised there, went to school there, did my undergrad there, and um, in 1999, uh, no shame in dating myself here. In 1999, I came over to the U.S., and I have been here ever since. Wow. I tell you what, uh, Sophia, Dr. Oman, uh, we're going to take a 
station break. But when I come back, I promise you, our listening audience is going to get an opportunity to know who's Dr. Sophia Among is. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley. Available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now on the Answer San Diego app and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now, here's your host, James Cooley. (laughs) Hello. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And I tell you, we got Dr. Sophia Among. She's talking to us. She's going to educate us on fintech and also financial inclusion. If you want to be part of the conversation, and I think you should be, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. Sophia. Uh, we was asked in the first question, which uh, we had to take a station break because we had to pay the bills. And uh, <laughs> and we were talking about uh, yourself and where you grew up and uh, just a little bit about that. Can you finish that up? Yeah, sure. So as I was saying, I'm from Zimbabwe and I moved to the United States in 1999 to come to school. I lived in Indiana for seven years while I was in school and then I started um a college professor teaching position at Virginia Tech, as you heard from Michelle. And um, ever since, I've just become more and more interested in economic well-being. Of, first of all, it was just rural families and then eventually became all individuals because we're all affected by money and our economic circumstances. Dr. Anang, you have a master's in agriculture economics and a PhD in family and consumer economics. What inspired you to focus on these specific fields of study? I think it was partly because at first I have a background in ag um, for my undergrad that I did in Zimbabwe, and I was interested in the well-being of what we call subsistence or small-scale farmers. And so when I came over to the U.S. for graduate study. I became really interested in honing in on how do they sustain themselves. Is it, 
you know, it's not just about agricultural productivity, but is that really what is the bottom line for their families, their economic well-being of their families, especially coming from Africa and uh, where most of our uh, African countries are agricultural based, but it's not always highly skilled or highly commercial agriculture. And then whilst I was at Purdue, I heard about consumer economics. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I started expanding my interest in wanting to understand all of us as individuals, as consumers, and as families, and how we are able to make ends meet and even do more than just making ends meet. So what subjects do you teach, and what are your favorite courses, and why? So um, when I left school, um, one of the first courses that I taught was just a basic budgeting class. It's called Intro to Personal Finance. That's the course that I started teaching at Virginia Tech, and then even when I switched over to the University of Georgia, I have continued to teach that class. That is my favorite class, Introduction to Personal Finance. So we're teaching very impressionable 18-year-old students how to budget. Some of them have exposure from their families on how to do that on paper, not just mentally, but others is for the first time they're actually being asked to do budgeting exercises. So that's the reason it's my favorite class, because we're not just only focus on budgeting. We talk, to, we talk about their credit, how to look up their credit reports, and so on. Um, other classes that I teach are um, wealth management, which is basically an investing class, as well as retirement planning and uh, comprehensive financial planning. Dr. Anang, producer Noah here behind the booth. And I know this because I help produce a financial show here on The Answer on a daily basis. But I think a really great place for us to dive into economics with a listening audience here on this show is maybe let's define what is consumer economics. So consumer economics is, as the word suggests, consumers. You know, the bottom line, it's a micro-economic level, level of individuals and consumers in the marketplace, how they're able to navigate uh, themselves as buyers and and um, buyers of you know everyday basic living goods. Uh, you know we always think of the consumer price index as being a representative basket of uh, typical goods that consumers need to purchase to sustain themselves. But if you look at the broader aspect of consumer economics, it also then goes into major purchases like your home, uh, use of credit, access to credit and use of credit, uh, purchase of cars, risk management, for example, uh, where consumers go into the marketplace and they're able to uh, look for products that help them manage their risk, like insurance. Um, so consumer economics is really broad and it encompasses their personal financial, daily financial management as well as their long-term um, economic outlook. And I always talk about uh, something on, again, my financial program that I produce daily. Financial literacy is so important, and that's really just knowing everything about portfolios and retirement and all the different tools available to you. It's really just a vast array of things. But if you don't know what you don't know, you're not going to be maximizing what you could be making and saving for the long term. That's right. And um, first of all, thank you for what you do. Financial literacy and financial education are really important. It sounds like that's what your show is doing. And yeah, financial literacy is really, um, in, our, in my field, a really a touchy subject because uh, when we're looking at defining financial literacy, it's not just about knowledge, like you give somebody a quiz and they can answer the basic financial questions about how to operate in our system, but also how are they able to translate that knowledge into practice? Are they capable? Are they financially capable. We also call that financial capability. So we have um, over time in our, in our field, not just as researchers or educators, but also as providers, as practitioners, like even banks are into trying to do outreach in financial literacy uh, and, and trying to focus translating what somebody is supposed to know, basic knowledge in order to operate in our country or in any country for that matter, but also how do they then apply it to make the optimal financial decisions when they're out looking for financial products or when they're just trying to control their spending. Well, I love that. And you, if you have the knowledge and you have the tools, you also have to have the know-how to use it as well. So that's a great answer. Yeah. Dr. Ono, uh, I got to ask you this because it's killing me, and I can't, I can't hold back no longer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is fintech? Okay. Shouldn't be killing you. Okay. Fintech is a compound word that's come out of 
the, the, the two words, obviously, financial technology. So fintech has been around. It's not a new industry. It just seems new because of, it, you know, seems to be spreading rapidly like a wildfire right now because of all the companies that have joined the industry. But fintech, if you think back to uh, when money became first electronic or digital, we saw the credit cards coming on, even mobile banking or internet bank, banking, as it used to be called now, mostly, mostly most people think of mobile banking. But when the internet came into existence and then we started to see financial services being um, advertised and provided online, that essentially is fintech. So it's not a new industry. It's just become more and more um, commonly known because the term is, 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 is thrown around so much. So that's fintech in a nutshell. Uh, it encompasses financial services as well as products like credit cards and, and so on. Wow. Uh, what do you consider financial inclusion? Well, let me give you the World Bank's definition of financial inclusion first. So it's, it's financial inclusion, according to the World Bank, is it means that individuals and businesses have access to useful and affordable financial products and services that meet their needs including transactions, payments, savings, credit and insurance, and that those are delivered in a responsible and sustainable way. So that's the classic World Bank definition. And actually, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, uh, uh, sorry, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation here in the U.S., as well as the Federal Reserve, also define it in the same manner. Dr. Anang, can you explain the relationship between fintech and financial inclusion? So what we've seen more recently is the role that fintech has played in including more people into the financial mainstream. What we consider the financial mainstream would be, you know, the main uh, finance, participating in uh, the predominant financial services in banking, credit unions, and all these other uh, types of financial services I mentioned, like uh, credit and insurance. So with fintech, being what it is today, the fact that you can actually access it on your phone. The phone is actually now one of the biggest tools that has um, played a role in spreading fintech and making it accessible. And in that light, it also then means that people are now even more included that normally would be marginalized. Wow. You know, so uh, some other terms that we hear often are unbanked, underbanked, and also a lot of other group of things that underserved. Uh, real quickly, because we're going to take a station break. Can you explain that, like, 30, 40 seconds? If we don't get it, we, we, we'll pick it up after the break. Okay. So unbanked people do not have an account at any type of financial institution, whether it's a credit union or a bank, traditional bank. Underbanked people might have a checking or a savings account, but they still participate in a parallel financial system, which is uh, alternative financial services where they go get short-term credit like payday loans, auto, uh, car title loans, etc. And then the underserved are people who live in what we call bank deserts, where they cannot just maybe take a five-minute walk or drive in their neighborhood and walk into a, 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 a branch for any financial service. Wow. You know, this is uh, so intriguing. And uh, I can't wait to get back to talk more about this, but listen to audience, you want to be part of the conversation, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. We're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back and continue our discussion with Dr. Sophia Amon. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. There is much truth in a journey that ain't over yet, as all of us journey through life's precious gift of time, just like I have. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. This is a must listen to for anyone who thinks they are stuck in life or 
need to understand that their current situation is not their final destination. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet, is the unfiltered truth to provide hope for the future by challenging you to refuse to become a victim of life's circumstance and dare to be an overcomer because a bigger, better, and a more impactful life awaits you. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego. Streaming now on smart speakers and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now here's your host, James Cooley. (laughs) I tell you, Noah, man, I'm enjoying Dr. Amon. And uh, she educating us on fintech and also financial inclusion. And uh, she just talked about the relationship between both of those. And I think that's important that our listening audience really lock in and understand that you can be part of the wealth or whatever that is uh, if you understand that you, you have to have knowledge of the game and you have to be in the game in order to uh be successful from it so i tell you my friend uh our listening audience if you want to be part of this that's one 344 again that's one 344 yeah james you're so right it's really all about having that knowledge but with that too one thing i've learned in producing a financial show over the years is that there's a lot of financial misconceptions out there. So I'm very curious to ask Dr. Anong, what do you think in your mind, obviously everybody's going to have a different opinion, but you're, you're an expert in the field. What is one of the biggest financial misconceptions out there that might lead people astray? Um. I would say, especially with uh, fintech and automation of financial services, uh, with banks and credit unions um, being so automated over the last maybe more than a decade now, I think consumers need to be really, really wary about relying too much on automation. I say this um, to, to um, basically to go back to the point about budgeting and intentional budgeting. Just because the bank is keeping track of your transactions and you can look up any time, at any time what your transactions are, before it used to be that we used to have to wait for paper statements to see, you know, how we've been spent, spent our money, I think consumers uh, make a mis- big mistake when they don't stay on top of their finances and still run alongside that automated tracking of spending that the banks are doing, run their own budgets, have a planned budget, and then basically reconcile what they had intended to do, what their major expenses would have been, with how they actually spent their money. So the banks are helping out a lot, but consumers really need to be more intentional than ever because automation gives the sense, gives so much convenience and gives the sense that everything is okay. I love that answer on a couple of different levels. One, because I was actually raised back as a teenager. I mean, my parents logged every penny. So I log on paper every penny now. It's just something that I do as part of my budget. But I know so many people, family and friends. It it astounds me how many people just tell me, 
I don't have to worry about writing things down and keeping a budget because I know exactly how much is in my account. I can just look online. It's, it's it does, does nobody a, a service at all. Yeah, we call that mental accounting, and it's not reliable. It's really not re- reliable exactly. with the way we are wired, and um, that's why automation is really tricky for certain. You know, it's all about psychology too. I think the, there's something about the sensory nature of just even with cash. We know that when we try to help people rebuild and take regain control of their finances, we take them back to the cash system. Even in this day and age, we take them back to the cash system because we, we you know, there's, there's the sensory and the, the tactile nature of, of cash, and even we refer to something that's called the pain of payment. When you pay with cash, is different from when you're paying with a credit card or when you're paying online. So, yeah, it's really important to stay on top of one's finances, especially because of automation. I agree. I know James and Michelle are going to follow up with some great questions, but if you don't understand how to properly balance with cash, you really don't understand the process at all, and automation is not going to help you. Exactly. Thanks, Noah. Wow. Hey, Noah, man, I got to give it to you, man. Those was two fantastic questions. Dr. Noah, in your view, in what ways do mobile phones or the Internet support financial inclusion? Oh, I'm going to say something. I'm going to just throw it out. Cash App. <laughs> Who have not heard of Cash App? And where can you find Cash App? On your phone. You do not have to walk into any branch service or any branch store. So what mobile phones have done all over the world, not just in developed countries, is bring financial services to the palms of people all, and from all walks of life. And so I, I come from Africa. Most developing countries have seen this phenomenon called mobile money. And that's because... Um, Somewhere along the line, people in developing countries started using airtime, which is what we call talk minutes here, as currency. And when the wireless providers like the Verizons and so on realized that, they're like, oh, we can provide them another product. So this is for people who were subscribed to wireless phone, uh, wireless uh, services for, for their phone services. They can then also sign up for a mobile money account. And uh, this has become such a revolution, and it's all because of mobile phones. Um, you can go to a rural area in a developing country, even with no electricity or reliable electricity, and you'll find somebody with a mobile money account, all because they have a mobile phone. And the, obviously, the Internet has also helped. So when I'm talking about mobile money, they don't have to have sophisticated smartphones. It could be just a feature phone. Um, now, with the Internet, we all know that came before that. In developed, developed countries, we saw Internet bank. Banking was one of the first things that um, revolutionized um, access to financial services, and people didn't have to go to a branch or even to an ATM to ch- transfer money. Of course, the only thing you'd have to do to go to, um, if, you, if you wanted to get cash, then you'd have to go either, either to a branch or an ATM. So the Internet and the mobile phone, and I would argue that the mobile phone has been more revolutionary across the board because almost everybody has a mobile phone irrespective of their walk of with their background. Dr. Nong, what are some of the consumer protections that exist for fintech products in the United States? You've recently been studying consumer payment shifts during the pandemic where we've seen a rise in the marketing of contactless services and payments. Can you um, discuss that? Okay. Um, so I'm sure it's most, most of your listeners might, might have noticed that um, when they received their latest card from their bank or credit card company, that on the back of it, it has like a sideways symbol that looks like the Wi-Fi symbol that represents the contactless uh, functionality of their card. If they go to a store, um, that they can just simply tap and go. Is that what, That's what we say. And they'll be able to complete their transaction if the card is activated to do so. And also if the merchant has actually um, got the right infrastructure to be able to accept those kinds of payments. The protections are the same as what we've always had with credit cards. The FDIC provides protections for deposit um, accounts, for checking accounts, and same thing with the credit cards. The protections are just the same. Uh, with contactless payments, we saw the shift because um, people were, you know, we saw a trend. This was a global trend where people were afraid to touch cash because they were worried about it being contaminated. So that's what we, we've seen as well here in the U.S., um, it varies in terms of um, 
where you can use your contactless card, but it's important for people to pay attention to that. When you do receive your card, just read the paper. Normally people just want to activate their cards and throw away that paper, but do read the paper, and the, the, I think the companies are doing a great job of trying to educate consumers on what this new technology is all about with the new cards that are being issued. Wow. So are there significant concerns? I know you kind of addressed it a little bit. Are there significant concerns with this technology, such as security breaches and identity theft? Not any more significant than what you would, the, than what the concerns one would have with the debit cards and the um, credit cards that are the, with the chip or the, the swipe. I would say um, the industry is actually toting that these cards are safer than those with magnetic stripes. And but then it's important to remember that some merchants and retailers are also taking precautions because of liability, and they do set low limits to prevent fraud, which is also obviously protecting consumers. And we did see in this past year that some, some, some merchants, we also saw that in the U.K. and other countries, they're a bit more advanced in terms of contactless cards than we are here in the U.S. But they did raise limits, like, for example, from maybe being able to do a 50-pound 50 uh, transaction to 100 pounds only because of this surge in contactless payments. But what I would encourage consumers to do as they should, would normally, should normally do anyway is to exercise their normal, continue to exercise their normal precautions of maintaining good confidential PIN numbers, not sharing those PIN numbers, uh, having good phone passcodes if you're using your phone to make contactless payments because you can also do that like with Apple Pay and other wallets, as well as to monitor their activities on their account statements and credit reports. Wow. You know, so uh, based on the question that Michelle just asked you, uh, so I, I'm sure that uh, you have uh, received a lot of data from research. Uh, so what does the research show? Well, actually, here in the U.S., because, as I mentioned, we were, all, we were lagging behind in contactless payments compared to other countries like Australia and the U.S., uh, that, I mean, sorry, Australia and the UK that had really high adoption rates. You, you know, like when I was visiting the US in 2018, for example, it was very difficult to use a US-based card because it wasn't contactless. And yet it, most of the merchants and most of the, the point-of-sale readers in the UK were only recognizing contactless technology. And so our research, what our research has shown at, uh, here in the US this past uh, you know, I've been working with some students uh, using data from the Understanding Coronavirus Study, which is run by the University of Southern California. They, they've been doing what's called a pulse or tracking survey because of this um, pandemic. And they ask questions about payment shifts, you know, ask people, you know, have you been making in-person payments? Did you switch to online? And we really didn't see a major shift, especially across the demographics. The people we expected to continue to use in-person payments to go and make in-person payments are the same, and they tend to be those in the lower income groups, those uh, even seniors um, who are reluctant to use fintech have you know some concerns about privacy and so on, and even just the big uh, digital gap to to start um, to switch to online. So the similar the, the usual demographics, low income uh, minority groups, as well as seniors, would continue to go in person to make payments and were less likely to switch to online payments during the pandemic. Wow. You know, this is so much healthy information. And, uh, you know, we've got to take a station break to get back, you know, to uh, the next segment. So if you want to be part of the conversation, that's one 888 We're going to take a station break and we're going to come back with Dr. Sophia Alon. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity 
community of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. FM 96.1 and AM 1170, The Answer. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now, here's your host, James Cooley. Hey, hello. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, this guest, Dr. Unknown, is absolutely fantastic, awesome, and anything else you want to throw in there, Noah? Just that she's completely awesome, and we're really finding out a lot of great information tonight, and we are going to probably find out even a little bit more in this next segment, and I'm sure we're not going to cover it all. Uh, we're going to try. <laughs> you know what? Uh, absolutely not. And you know, So uh, we're going to try to get as much information as we can. Dr. Nome, how do you describe the scope and impact of your research or scholarships to people outside of your field? Um, well, as, as you guys introduced me, I do focus on financial access and uh, well-being. And by that, I also, we also look at consumer protection, um, increasing financial knowledge, especially in real time. Uh, you know, in the world of fintech, it's always evolving. So consumers could easily fall prey to predatory, um, well, they're not, not always necessarily intentionally predatory, but predatory products that could basically um, catch consumers unaware. As I mentioned, automation is it's a good thing, it's convenient, but it can also um, get... Um, get some consumers in trouble in terms of overspending. So what I say to them is just share some of the, the, the findings that we get in layman's terms. Um, usually present whatever the findings are. It could be like, oh, you know, if you are in this category, you probably are more, we have data that has shown that there's a greater chance of you being an overspender um, if you do this, if you tweak your behavior, then there's a greater chance that you'll be able, able to meet your retirement goal in terms of having enough money saved for retirement. So generally, depending on who I'm talking to and the demographic, I just think about if I've done any research that impacts their, their, um, their demographic, talk about some of the interesting findings in layman's terms, using the facts, the statistics, but in layman's terms to explain the impact. And you've done a lot of research over the years, Dr. Anong. So I'm just curious, in any aspect, what have, has been the biggest challenge that you have encountered in doing that research? Okay, so when I was trained, some of the research we did was based on data that is collected for us by other people, like the federal government has done a great service as researchers to release some data, public, nationally representative data, um, and makes it available publicly for researchers to do that. But one of the drawbacks of using somebody else's data is maybe they might not ask all the questions you would have asked, and um, they might ask the question in a certain way, or they might not sample enough of the kind of people you're interested in. Usually one of the things that we face um, is having an underrepresentation of some of the um, vulnerable groups that I'm particularly interested in, which are women, uh, underserved groups, sometimes even seniors, as well as minority groups. 
So, but then it's really good to have that resource, though, because one of the other challenges that I've also faced is getting access to funding and getting uh, the grants in a timely manner to be able to do um, relevant um, research, like, for example, during the pandemic. Uh, and, well, it was a bit different this time because I was able to get um, funding to do uh, research that w- was really particularly interesting to me, which was um, to do with the adoption of contactless payments by minority small business owners. But generally, it's, it's that, access to good data and funding. Dr. Anang, can you tell us about these projects that you're currently involved in, um, United States Transformative Consumer Research, um, Experiment with Small Business Owners and Contactless Payments, and Ghana Experiment to Increase Female Mobile Money Agents to Curb Fraud. Can you tell us a couple, a little bit about each? Okay, so I'll start with the, I was just involved this summer with um, a group um, for a conference that's called the Transformative Consumer Research Group that was um, hosted by a group of professors at the University of Virginia. And this was a very novel way of doing the conference where we basically were put in a track. Our track was the cashless culture track, and we were brainstorming as researchers from all over the world, not just the country, about the consumer well-being in a cashless culture because this is the new age that we're living in. And so some of my collaborators were interested in um, cash shortage or cash access. Is, is cash under attack? Is it going to become extinct? And others are interested, like myself, I'm interested in, okay, if it is a cashless culture, who's being left behind? What's the digital um, gap implications as well as the payment divide implications? Um, and are they being left behind because of the system or the policies that are encouraging a cashless culture, or they're being left behind because they want to be left behind? The other one is the experiment with the small business owners. Um, this is one where we are doing um, uh, an online experiment, basically. We are nudging them and giving them information about how to implement uh, infrastructure to be able to accept contactless payments. What we saw during the pandemic is some small businesses were able to stay afloat because they were able to digitize, they expanded into e-commerce, but even if um, you couldn't really convert your your business into e-commerce, and for example, if you provide personal care services um, and wanted to still be also safe during the pandemic, uh, you could, you know, some businesses could have actually ventured into contactless payments, but some of them did not. And it's we found that it's really got to do with lack of information and also uh, feeling that maybe um, the infrastructure will be too expensive and too much of an investment, where really all you need is a mobile phone um, from the business end as well as to have consumers who have access to either a mobile phone or now we know we're all receiving contactless cards. Um, And then do we have time for me to go through the third one? Uh, Real quickly, yes. (laughs) So the other one is actually we are experimenting in Ghana right now and are offering... um, we're trying to increase the number of females who, or women, sorry, who are actually mobile money agents. So mobile money agents basically are human ATMs for that mobile money um, infrastructure that I talked about. And so we found that um, uh, women, if we increase the number of women, it probably would help drive down overcharging because that's something we are seeing with mobile money in developing countries, that there is significant overcharging, overpricing by agents. And uh, that's something that's really going on on the ground right now in the western region of Ghana, and we're really excited about that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that is exciting. Dr. Mom, you would be a science and technology policy fellow <laughs> and, uh, at the U.S. Uh, Agent for International Development, serving as a digital uh, ecosystem advisor in September. Can you uh, just tell our listening audience a little bit about your role? Yes, yeah, so this is um, uh, kind of like a, a small pivot. I'll be on sabbatical uh, in D.C. this coming September, and I was invited to serve in this role, given my background in research and helping um, uh, collaborating with uh, different research teams in this area. And this is a fairly new division within USAID. It's under the Digital Strategy Division, which is barely two years old. And what they are doing is um, conducting natural, um, sorry, national country assessments in the countries, in the mission countries for the agency in order to understand and partner with those different countries. And as well as um, 
cross-transfer of both directions, the U.S. to those countries and vice versa, just to learn more about digital strategies and the ecosystems that, right from the very highest level at the national level all the way down to the consumers who are usually the intended end user for the digital systems that countries um, adopt. Wow. You know, uh, (laughs) intriguing. And uh, you're doing a lot of great things and just locked in on uh, the financial inclusion and all of the information that you put out. If our listening audience wanted to get in touch with you, uh, to talk to you a little bit more about that, how can how can they do that? Um, they can reach me through LinkedIn. They just search Sophia Anong, Sophia Anong, A N O N G, as well as um, reach me through email. I will go ahead and give my UGA email, which is sanong at uga dot edu. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to entertain some dialogue with some of your listeners. Wow. Hey, so, hey, Dr. Ma, is there any parting message that you want to just like leave, just like a big sting on our listening audience that they need to pay attention? Uh, you got one minute. Uh, anything that you want them to lock into? I think we are very fortunate to be living in a time, first in the Internet age, as well as the digital age. And um, there is no reason why any consumer who wants to be, who's fully vested in their financial well-being cannot reach out and get information as well as services um, because of uh, the availability of um, fintech right in your fingertips on your phone, but doing so responsibly, reaching out as well as to to get financial information. You can easily reach out and get find out information about extension services and education programs offered in your community by NGOs, by banks themselves. Um, there's, I think there's a wealth of information. It's just about making sure you're getting the right kind of information, factual information, and staying on top of your finances. Just because you sign up for the latest fintech product, you are using Cash App, or, or somebody else has introduced you to some of the latest Venmo, PayPal, or even your bank. All the banks have um, the fintech um, outlets. It does not mean um, that you're well taken care of. You still have to be very intentional about your financial bottom line. Dr. Ma, I want to thank you so much for taking time to come on the James Cooley show. It's your life. <laughs> and, uh, it is your life. It's your it, financial it, life. It's your <laughs> life. And uh, so I want to thank you so much uh, for taking the time to do that. I'd like to thank my great co-host, Michelle Cooley, who's also known as my queen, the queen. Uh, most importantly, I'd like to thank our listening audience uh, for taking the time to listen in. I want to thank my great producer, Noah Dingley. Also, I want everybody to know that we are looking for sponsors so we can continue to bring this great message to you. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time. Same place. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been the James Cooley Show. It's your life where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.